0: Stand in Christ, but you may be seated now. Turn to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read this morning from verses 18 to 27, and then we're really just going to look at one verse this morning, verse 23. I want to read it, set it in context. In Luke's account, directly following the feeding of the 5,000, we have this in verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has arisen. Then he said to them, But who do you say? That I am. And Peter answered. The Christ of God. The Messiah of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. Saying the son of man must suffer many things. Be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be killed. And on the third day be raised. And he said to all. If anyone would come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses it, his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, as Sam prayed, I pray that you would speak to your people with a living voice, with your word, that you would enable me and empower me to preach it as your word faithful to your word. You would enable us to hear it and desire it and treasure it as your word. And know and trust you through it and follow after you. Growing in grace all the days that you allow us to be here. So bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. Accomplish all of your purpose. Convert and sanctify your people. Build your church, your kingdom. Fortify the faith of those who know you. And expose the lack of it in those you don't who don't. Lord, we praise you and thank you that you have given us your word. We know that it will not return to you void. So we proclaim it with joy. It's in Jesus' name that we do it. Amen. Follow me. Follow me. That was Jesus' call to his disciples. And over and over again as you read the Gospels, you see, follow me. True of Matthew, one example. One day he's sitting in the tax booth doing his thing, and then Jesus comes and says, follow me he left everything and followed Jesus. And you see that in the lives of one after the other of the disciples and those who would become apostles. That Christ would come and he would call them to follow him. And they would leave everything and follow him. And listen, think about it. Physically, they had to do that in that day. In order to be a disciple of a teacher, you had to be with that teacher and go where he went, right? So they had the privilege of going with Jesus, following him around Palestine, hearing his teaching, seeing his works, being prepared by him for the great mission that he had for them. They didn't know about at that time. They didn't know much when they were called to follow him. They were learning about him. But after walking with Him for some three years and after reaching the depths of despair at His death on the cross and then the heights of glory at His resurrection, giving them a joy that they would never lose, He gives to them the assignment for them and for His church, which comes down to us through them. And after saying Christ that He had all authority in heaven and earth, He's King, he says this in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Christ's mission to make disciples... Given to His church. And He is with us. Spirit empowering us to take this gospel into all nations. You see it there. And not just win converts, but teach them. Another way of saying to follow Jesus. When you see there in the text, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. It's teaching us to follow Jesus, just like Jesus said to those original disciples, follow me when we are converted, when the spirit takes that gospel and brings life into our hearts, regenerates us, we're born again such that we repent and trust in Christ. That's his call to us as well. Follow me. Look at John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My call, right? And I know them. There's intimate relationships. And look at this. They follow me. His sheep are his disciples who follow him. Believers are disciples who follow Jesus. There's no tiered system. You can't be a believer and not a follower. There is that theology out there and when you hear it, you need to discard it. OK. Because Jesus says, my sheep follow me. And today, as we're finishing our series on no ordinary birth, we've seen uh, that what what child is this? We've seen the reaction. We've seen the reception. What we didn't want to do is stop without putting forward his call. Because Jesus who is no ordinary child and not a child anymore, who is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, came for a purpose that is to save a people and to call that people unto himself in his salvation. So we're going to look at Luke 9.23. You could go to Matthew 10.28. You can go to a lot of other scriptures. But there's an important word here that Luke gives us that I wanted us to see. And I'll point that out when we get there. Uh, But us to see that Jesus' call is no ordinary call. Jesus calls us, just like them, to follow him. So the main point this morning, main point of the verse, follow Jesus by denying yourself and taking up your cross daily. That is the call to everyone who would believe in him. What he requires, he works in the heart of those that he saves. But it is a call to follow him. It's not just an intellectual assent where we just believe. But it's one in which we repent and we trust and therefore we love and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So first point, follow Jesus by denying yourself. You see it right here in the text. Look back in verse 23 of chapter 9. And he said to all, notice that, he said to all, if anyone, if anyone would come to me. In other words, what he's saying right there is if anyone would be, receive my salvation, if anyone would be my follower, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So follow Jesus by denying yourself. And when we look here in verse 23, what we have is a composite picture of a disciple. You want to know what a disciple is. You want to know what a true believer is. You want to know what a Christian is. This is the genuine item right here. This is a picture of using different words. In a lot of ways, they're saying the same thing. Denying self, taking up cross, following him. This is just a composite picture of a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a slide for that. I just made a thing where you could see it. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who follows Jesus. How does he do that? By denying himself and taking up his cross, as we'll see in the text, daily. So here, what does it mean to deny yourself? This is not asceticism we're talking about. So when we deny ourselves, do we just go around acting like we were baptized in pickle juice? No fun. No sense of humor. Nothing enjoyable. No, it's all misery. That's how we deny ourselves. We just make everything miserable. Well, there are some people that live that way. And that is where legalism will take you. That's not where the gospel takes you. Right? Right? For the joy that you have in the salvation of Christ, it means that you are no longer self-seeking, but Jesus-seeking. That's what it means to deny yourself. I mean, think about our justification. If we will be justified, if we will be saved, we have to deny trying to save ourselves. We have to forsake ourselves in order to trust in Him. We forsake our way for His way. This passage is primarily, I think, talking about sanctification, but you see that they're in justification. But it means you're not self-seeking. A true believer is striving to live a God-centered life. See, we're born, we come from the womb with self, number one. Take care of number one. You only go around once. So grab all the gusto you can get. Everything. This is your world and everybody else is just here to serve you. You're really on the throne and Jesus is your servant. So just tell him what you want. But no, the one who, the one who denies himself. Now this is, this is not a way that we work ourselves into salvation. This is what God works in the heart. He grants what He commands. He works in the heart. These things in the heart of those that He saves. And when a person is converted and even that there's a shift there. There's a 180 degree turn, right? We become God seeking. We become Jesus seeking and not self seeking. The essence of sin is to be self seeking. For me to be primary in my mind, leaning on my own understanding, going my own way, that's sin. That's how Satan fell, wasn't it? Satan fell because of that. He said, I will be like God. Pride. Self-seekingness is pride. But the one who denies themselves seeks to honor God, seeks to honor Christ above all. It means that, listen, one of the things it means is this. You never, you don't dishonor him in order to seek pleasure Meaning, fulfillment, satisfaction in this world. You don't use sin to satisfy. If you're denying yourself, you see sin for the for the ugliness that it is. See, denying self is choosing to live a God-centered life. It's focusing on Christ. It's seeking, now that you've been converted, now that your eyes have been opened so that you've seen your sin and your, you, you should be condemned, but you've seen the mercy of God available in Christ. And by His grace, you've turned and trusted in this Christ that you now love because He first loved you. He transforms you with a new heart. So denying self is choosing to live a God-centered life. It's to seek your joy, meaning, and purpose in God's way. I've said this, I think I might have said this last week. Do you believe, did you know that God wants you to be joyful? He wants you to have fullness of joy. But we, like that old country song, are looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for joy in all the wrong places. We think we can disregard God, go against His will, sin against Him, and find joy that will last in that. And it is a fool's errand. Go your own way if you will, you will be in hell. This Savior has come to save us, and He puts this salvation before us as a free gift. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. But one of the things we know about those who come to them is that we were dead in trespasses and sins, and through the gospel, the Spirit gives us life so that we turn and trust in Christ. And part of the package is a new heart. A new heart that's no longer focused primarily on self, but on Christ and His commands. On God's ways, on what the Bible calls good works. How? What does this denial look like? Look at Titus two eleven to fourteen. You really want to know what Christ was? You can just read the rest of the New Testament. His His apostles will explain it to you. But Titus two eleven to fourteen says this: The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, not just the Jews. Training us to look at what it trains us to deny or to put away. Training us to renounce ungodliness. And worldly passions, and to live self controlled upright, and godly lives in this present age that 's what God works into the hearts of the people He saves, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. But look at this there 's a twofold purpose here: who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for His own possession, who are zealous for good works. Defined here. The people that He saves will be a people who deny themselves because they see the folly in living for self. They are now turned upon God in fulfilling their purpose in living a God-centered life. They're zealous for good works. They're zealous to love Him who first loved them the keeping of God's commandments is love isn't it this is the love of God John said that we keep his commandments and his commandments aren't burdensome it's our joy and we we grieve when we fail we don't a a true believer doesn't grieve when he has to keep the commandment he grieves when he fails to keep the commandment it's the believer's joy to keep the commandment please go read psalm 119 and it will help it make sense to you The denial of self results in the, it's, it's the denial of the world's ways and sinful ways and the old man's ways. The ways that were characteristic of me before I came to Christ. I don't think I'm the end all and be all. And that my, my understanding is the standard of what is true anymore. Because of his work of grace. Philippians says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped or selfishly held on to, but emptied himself by sedition, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself even farther <clears throat> by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He loved us first, when we didn't know we needed a savior. Christ came before we most all of us. I start saying most of us. That would be crazy. Before all of us ever lived, in fulfillment to the plan of redemption conceived in eternity past where where christ would come and be the mediator the savior of his people he came and lived as sam prayed in fulfillment of his own law to provide a perfect righteousness he fulfilled all righteousness for us and then he went to the cross and died on that cross to pay the penalty for our sins being the lamb of god foreshadowed in all of that old testament the true lamb of god who could because he was god and man die on the cross and drink that cup that sam read about dry he took the wrath due us on him and he went through the grave under the power of death and came out on the third day proving it's all true Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and He was raised the third day for our justification. God was working out our salvation before we ever existed. God loved us first. Let that truth humble you. Don't fight against it. It's gloriously good news. God loved the world in this way that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Christ denied Himself His privileges, His glory, His opportunity. He didn't put them away. He didn't put His deity away. But He came to save us. And He walked that path of self-sacrifice in order to save us. And He calls us to follow Him, not to save ourselves, but to believe in Him and to be instruments in His hand. See, the first characteristic of a disciple is that by the Spirit's work in them, they deny themselves. They follow Christ by denying themselves in order to hope and trust and rest in and follow Him. Number two, follow Jesus by daily taking up your cross. And this is why I chose the passage in Luke. That little word, daily. Look at what it says again. Let him first deny himself. And listen, we're just skating over this. We could say so much more about this. And two, take up his cross daily, daily. So what does it mean to take up your cross? Now, there is confusion about this. There's a lot of confusion about this. If. The, the, the providences that are in our life, the sicknesses that we have, the physical handicaps, the illnesses, the marriage difficulty, that's not your cross. It's a hard providence. It's a trial you can rejoice in and entrust to God and be grown through. But that's not what he's talking about here when he's talking about taking up your cross. It's not our physical handicaps or illnesses or marriage difficulty That's not what he meant by cross-bearing. Cross-bearing involves our will. Okay? Cross-bearing is us deciding to do something that's going to bring hardship upon us. We know that. Listen, he told us, if the world hated me, it will hate you. If, If you live like I'm living, you are not going to be loved by the world. I mean, Jesus even told his disciples, woe are you. Woe to you when all people think good of you a cross is something difficult we say yes to in order to follow jesus taking up my cross is sacrificing myself to follow him what what is the picture there so you know in that day they knew exactly what he was talking about because condemned criminals had to carry one beam of the cross to their execution. So this was, this was a march to death. He's, this is, taking up my cross is me intentionally... I'm not belittling our trials. I hope you all know that. But I'm just saying for me to, in, to take up my cross involves my will to intentionally sacrifice something to follow Christ. Primarily myself. And then outside of that, other things. But a cross is something difficult we say yes to in order to follow Jesus. We're sacrificing ourselves to follow him. And what he's getting at here, Jesus, I want you to hear me. Listen to me. Jesus was demanding total commitment from his disciples. Not one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Total commitment even unto physical death, if that should come, because you're following Christ. He he told his church to rejoice and leap for joy when you're persecuted for my sake, he said. That's taking up the cross that he's talking about. He's calling us to deny ourselves and to die to ourselves to follow him and to be willing to die for him on that path should it come to that. I mean, listen, I challenge you. I don't know how many of you have ever done this, and you may not be able to get through the whole thing, and it might take you a while, and you might read pieces at a time. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, go read that. If you want to see people standing strong all the way to death because of Christ, go read that. One of the reasons I want you to read it is because you should read it. It will encourage your faith. The other reason I want you to read it is because that might come, and we need to be ready to stand in those same shoes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, woman, boy or girl, he bids them come and die. So I want to, I, I mean, think about the things that Jesus said If you don't renounce all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't hate father, mother, children, in other words, you're going to not hate your family, but love. If I'm not the preeminent, if I'm not at the top of the food chain, the love chain, the joy chain, the delight chain, you can't follow me because at some point you're going to be asked to choose and you're going to choose something else. The the call to discipleship is a very hard call. But again, I'm saying this is what God works in the hearts of those He saves. Self-sacrifice for Jesus. To trust Him for salvation and to live for Him. I know this is not the gospel being preached in most places today. That's why the church is full of unbelievers who have prayed a prayer and have experienced no life change. Now, thankfully, all over the place, the true gospel is being preached. And more and more these days as the Reformed Church is growing and others are are preaching as well. But I want to say this to you and I want you to think carefully about it. Beware of a Christianity that doesn't cost you everything. There is a serious defect in many churches today, which is the lack of true discipleship. True discipleship means forsaking everything to follow Christ. And there's a lot I could say about this this morning that I can't say because y'all won't let me preach for three hours. You might, but I don't want to. I want to recommend a book to you, and I'm not going to buy this one from you for you. Discipleship takes some commitment. But if you want an expansion of what I'm talking about today, this book Christ's Call to Discipleship by James Montgomery Boyce will be a blessing in your life. Christ's Call to Discipleship by James Montgomery Boyce. I don't think you'll remember that, write it down after all I've told y'all before the elect take notes, right? Some of y'all not laughing, you don't know me. That's a joke. But you really should take notes. It will help you, even if you throw them away when you leave the door. The Christ Call to Discipleship by James Montgomery Boyce. I, I recommend that to you. <clears throat> but in this book, he gives a warning against... Now, I want you to listen to this and see if you had not heard this all over the place. In this book, he gives a warning about cheap grace. And he says, cheap grace offers... Now, listen... Forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Grace, cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. If we're not putting forward Christ's call to discipleship, we are not. Making disciples. We can get people to pray prayers and go through those kind of motions, and that's pretty easy. But see how many people want to hear this call to discipleship. But listen to me this is the only one, this is the only Savior, and this is His call to discipleship. Follow me by denying yourself and taking up your cross. A.W. Tozer was speaking about cheap grace when he said this. Grace, and that's why he puts it in scare quotes. Christ may be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he is not hungry or thirsty after God. If you have prayed a prayer after some preacher who's helped you parrot that, but it's made no difference in your life, you are not a disciple. You need to know that. And people you know who are living like hell, but you say, Well, I know, I know at one point they gave their hearts to Christ. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Now, I'm not saying the true Christian can't fall into sin, but God won't leave him there or her there and will see, just like David, Nathan goes, You are the man. But if there's no love for Christ in our hearts and, and we're not hungry and thirsty after God, if we're not seeking to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him, we don't know Him. That's easy believism. That's decisional regeneration. That's parroting a prayer that made no difference. Please listen to me. There are people all over this country sitting in churches this morning hearing these light, toasty gospel messages that are going to bust hell wide open unless something changes. Christ said, many will come to me in that day saying, didn't I do this and didn't I do that and didn't that? He said, depart from me. I never knew you because your life is filled with lawlessness. In other words, you weren't denying yourself, taking up your cross and following me. Cheap grace is rampant these days. But in contrast, in the book, Boyce defines costly grace, which is true grace. This is the grace Jesus taught. It's the call to make Christ your greatest treasure. After all, isn't that what Jesus was teaching? It's, in the book, he says this. It is the call to submit to the kingly rule of Christ. And we talked about that before. For who, Now watch this. For whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which disciples leave their nets and follow him. Here's the point. A disciple of Christ gets his or her priorities right. Again, not perfectly. Sometimes we preach this as though it's glorification and there's no room for growth. But there's room for repentance and readjustment and those who know Christ will repent and readjust when the truth comes into their purview. A disciple gets his or her priorities right and it doesn't always mean forsaken sin and doing something really hard. I mean, a lot of times it does mean that. To follow Jesus, we, we should be daily forsaken sin and, and doing hard things when, when He calls us to. But sometimes it's just replacing good things with the best things. And I know y'all do that. I I do it. Listen, how many of you will not eat? You'll stop eating the meal to save room for dessert. You've you've prioritized the good and the better. I'm going to eat enough to leave that dessert-spaced hole in my belly. See, there's nothing wrong with the meal. You're just prioritizing. Your desires are coming forth. Some of us would start with dessert and see if there's any room left. And that's still prioritizing. Right? Listen, the point is, yes, we're to be forsaking sin and doing hard things to follow Jesus, getting our priorities right. And and, and, and part of that is beware, not let good things become God things. Don't let things become idols. Your children, your grandchildren, your bank account, your job, your car, your house, your mmm, can go from a good thing to a God thing if you're not careful. And they can become your, or, or this becomes your priority instead of Jesus. And your life is all out of whack when that's true. So what are some Just down-to-earth examples of me denying myself and taking up my cross to follow Jesus. And and listen, we're not even talking about being martyred for faithfulness to him and that may come. But very simple things. Denying other things to spend time in prayer and Bible reading and study. Listen, don't ever come to me and say, I don't have time. Because I know you do. Well, I have children. Well, they're not awake 24 hours a day. And listen, early on in your children's life, get them used to sitting down and shutting up and hearing the word. And it'll be a fight. And that's okay. If you wait to start doing family worship till it's easy, you know, when you'll do it, you won't do it. But I promise you, if you persevere, it will bear fruit. Well, my kids are too young. They won't get it. That's another no, no. You're saying God's spirit can't take his word and do a work in that kid's heart. Listen, this year again, I've gotten some really precious cards from some of our small children. Who sit in worship and listen and who get it. They don't get it all, but they get what God wants them to get. So let's let's press into being a disciple of Christ this year by turning off some of this other stuff so that we can spend time in prayer and the word. How about being committed to the Lord's Day? Worship, even when it costs you other pursuits. Don't ever prioritize anything other than emergencies or, you know, I mean, I know sometimes doctors and nurses and things have to work. But don't choose to do other things rather than keep the priority that God set the whole week around, which is his worship. Yes, there's some sacrifices to make. But look at the call to work, to discipleship. Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And listen, Once I, the more I get his love for me and the more I get his grace, the more that's my delight and not just my duty. But our life reveals things. And how about this, witnessing? There will never be a day when it doesn't require sacrifice to witness. Denying self, taking up the cross, Putting yourself out for the sake of those God has put in your life. Your children, yes. Your spouse, maybe. Yes. Your neighbor, yes. And down the line. Well, should I be a witness? Maybe that's just your job, preacher man. Well, yeah, he just said to the preachers up here. Okay, I'm saying this to the preachers. If anyone would come after me, let let them. No. He said to his church, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And just get out there and mess it up. Because you can't mess it up. You're going to think you messed it up. But if you share something as simple as John 3, 16, you hadn't messed it up. Because his word is the power of God. His gospel is the power of God. But witnessing will require me to deny myself. Here's the question. Am I willing to die with and for Jesus? Am I daily sacrificing myself to live according to his word? Am I not finding my joy and purpose and meaning in the world? Because that's our default setting. But Paul said this in Galatians six fourteen, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Listen, too many of us are living for the world's approval and letting the world squeeze us into its mold. We want to be popular. We don't think about it this way, but we will deny Jesus in order to be popular. One more way in which we need to be sacrificing ourselves. We need to be calling everything sin that he calls sin. Even when it's not popular. Popularity doesn't make it right. And the world is in the shape it's in partly because we've been keeping our mouths shut. Fighting in his strength to put off sin. another last one. And not making excuses for it. Sin is not a sickness to be treated. It's a sin to be repented of. And God has given us everything necessary for that repentance by His Spirit using His Word to deliver us. If it is sin, the answer is repentance. So, to deny yourself. And bear your cross is to obey and identify with Jesus even unto death. And that's, where, that's what we see in Matthew and the rest of the disciples. Following Jesus, here it is, right here. Here's, here's one definition. Making the necessary sacrifices to make his will primary in my life. All out of love for him. Not legalism. This is his call. This is grace. This is his salvation that he works in us through the gospel. But following Jesus, denying myself and taking up my cross and following him is me making the necessary, joyfully, I had that, joyfully making the necessary sacrifices to make his will primary in my life all out of love for him. Again, James Montgomery Boyce, discipleship is not simply a door to be entered, but a path to be followed. See, that's how, that, that's how we think about the gospel, isn't it, sometimes? The gospel is just the door we go through to get in. Well, no, the gospel is the very air you breathe as a believer. It's the water you swim in or however you want to picture that. Discipleship is not simply a door to be entered, but a path to be followed. And the disciple proves that his discipleship is genuine by following that path to the end. All those he justified, he will glorify. If he begun a good work, he will finish it. But the reason there's so many people out there on Twitter and and TikTok and Snapchat and all these places, you you see people doing what they call deconstructing. They grabbed hold to some false bait and it didn't come through for them. So they turned from it and chose the world's popularity or their own comfort or something else. But uh, they were never a disciple of Christ. You cannot get it. And lose it. And if the call to discipleship was being clearly put out there, people would know that. And this is, I hope you don't think this is me being mean this morning. This is me trying to show you what Christ's call really is on the lives of his disciples. This is for everyone. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they just believe in me. Is that what that said? They follow me. So in application, I need to start wrapping it up. I'll ask you this first off because a lot of us did. A lot of I did this as a child and it had to come to see better. Have you embraced cheap grace or costly grace? In other words, have you embraced counterfeit grace or genuine grace? Let me give you just an an analogy here. Cheap grace sees the church as a cruise ship. Jesus has purchased your ticket, so you just hop on and enjoy the ride to heaven. Everybody is here for your entertainment. Nothing much is required of you. That's counterfeit grace. That's false. Here's costly grace. Costly grace sees the church as a battleship. Jesus purchased you and made you a warrior. So forsake all to climb on board and man your battle station. You are here to grow and serve. You are here to live for and follow after Jesus. Have you embraced true grace that calls you to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're trusting in him. That's because he's worked it in your heart. And he's not only worked it in your heart. He's given you a new heart. That loves him because he first loved you. A new heart that desires to follow him. In faithfulness to his commandment. So are you fighting and dying to the reign of self? Are you denying yourself? This is stuff for you to meditate on. Hopefully you'll get the book and read it and read the other scriptures and and press into this. But listen, you'll know if you're fighting and dying to the reign of self when you're you're tested. It'll be those times when glorifying God and indulging the flesh come into conflict. Those days when the hard path of discipleship brushes up against the easy path of self-centeredness. When following Christ conflicts with the easy path, will you deny self self to sacrifice and follow Christ or you just do what feels right and what is easier? The latter will not lead to spiritual growth. Even if you are a believer, and we struggle, and again, we're being sanctified, we've not been glorified, we're being challenged to press into being faithful followers of Christ, but if we're not pressing into this thing called growth and grace, when the trial hits, we will not be ready. And we will suffer needlessly because of that. If we're not pressing into growth and grace, we're leaning on our own understanding. Memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That'll help you. Some of you think you know better, and I'm sorry for you. Thirdly, is Christ's likeness your steady pursuit? What did Peter say about growing in grace? He said, make every effort. Strive with all the strength that you have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in our text, take up, this is that word again, take up the cross daily. See, these are not things we do once and it's over. So we deny ourselves back here and take up our cross and then... We leave all that behind. and Are you taking up your cross daily? Are you with your Savior in His Word and in prayer and seeking to love Him because He's first loved you going out into this world as the light and salt that He calls you? Listen, that's been our topic in Romans 12, hasn't it? Because the gospel is true, God commands us, calls on us to be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable that's the same thing if i'm a living sacrifice i'm one who denies myself and takes up my cross and follows him do you give up other things to spend time in the better things whether that be witnessing or reading or prayer or discipleship or, you know especially worship on the lord's day are, are you sacrificing to be faithful Are you intentionally following Christ when it's cross-cultural or cross-you-name-it? Well, I know this is, is stretching and examining. But if you'll just read the Bible, you'll see it right there in Jesus' words. He says, follow me. And those who love him, will deny themselves and grow in it. Take up their cross daily and grow in it. Follow Him and grow in it. I'll just ask you the last question. Let's say you're pressing into these things. Is it all fueled by His love for you? Because we love Him because He first loved us. See, the gospel has to be the fuel. The gospel is what increases our love for Him. The fact that He, though I deserved condemnation, He fulfilled all righteousness for me. And that condemnation that I deserve, that hell that I deserve, he took that upon himself in order to save me. And he drank that cup dry because he was God. And man proved true by his resurrection so that he gives me this full-orbed salvation that makes me a disciple. He gives that to me as a free gift. See, if my life is not being lived out in love for Jesus, I don't get it. And part of my sanctification is me growing in love for Christ as I get a better and deeper grip on the gospel and His grace. It's not legalism. I'm not making myself acceptable. That's impossible. So my life of sanctification has to be fueled by His love for me and me grasping that and believing that and therefore my love that returns for Him. Has his love for you produced in you a growing love for him? If so, you will be growing and denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. I mean, he's in John 14, 15. He said it very simple. I don't think he had a stern look on his face. It's just a statement of fact. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keeping his commandments is denying myself. Keeping his commandments is taking up my cross. Keeping his commandments is following him. That's what the life of a disciple looks like. Boyce said this. Well, I'll give you another quote. We live in a day and see if this is not true. We live in a day when a substantial part of the evangelical world wants a domesticated Jesus who blesses, satisfied, feels, thrills, strengthens his followers, but does not insist on a cross. What we need is the genuine Jesus who demands that his followers die to self and actually follow him. Amen. So remember our main point, follow Jesus daily by denying yourself and taking up your cross. Make the necessary sacrifices to make God's will primary in your life and do it all out of love for Jesus. Yes, in 2024 and beyond. That is his call, his command to those who would be his disciples. He says to you, follow me. To live is Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for revival. I pray for revival in Grace Church. I pray for revival in the other churches in Swansboro and North Carolina and the United States and around the world. I pray for a great sweeping revival that will hear, Lord Jesus, your call to discipleship that your church would repent of all cheap grace and see the glorious diamond of the true grace of God in Christ Jesus. That your priorities would be our priorities. That your will would be our joy, knowing that you desire for us to have joy and that joy is found in you and your commandments and in your ways. Grieve us where we need to be grieved. Encourage us. Strengthen us where we need to be encouraged and strengthened. Rebuke the the proud. Strengthen the weak. Bless the humble. Lift high your Son. Make disciples of all nations. We know that gospel will be fulfilled that one day that the, waters, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There will be a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language who are disciples of Christ. But Lord, start, help each one of us to start in our own hearts and examine our own hearts. Lord Jesus, do I love you. And does my life show it? Am I a disciple who denies myself, joyfully takes up the cross and follows you? (coughs) Work repentance in the hearts of those who don't know you, Lord, that they might come to faith. Work repentance in those of us who do know you and yet are just taking things casually. May we be true and growing disciples whose lives are characterized by this kind of self-denial and daily taking up the cross. Following You, Jesus. Knowing that You have first loved us. So with that new heart You've given us, loving You and growing in it. Help us to trust You. To rest in You. To be daily walking in faith and repentance, growing in grace, being the light and salt that you've called us to be.